well, 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 welcome to the Inspired Minds Podcast. Hey, that actually worked. My name is Jeff Watson. I am indeed your clearly dorky uh, podcast host. Still grateful and gracious to do this, as always. My dear friend, Mr. Michael Lee Simpson, continues uh, to get me these incredible people to speak to. Um, we started this thing off kind of just focused on uh, Hollywood screenwriters and directors and producers and all that. And then we've gone super wide lately, um, which includes this this uh, upcoming interview uh, with Jessica Toscano. She's a sexual, which well, writes a lot about sex issues and health issues, but um, really kind of hones in on the sexual wellness world. And she's got this fantastic site called Intrigue Mag that uh, just talks about self-care and it talks about um, health and, and just sexual wellness. And again, all over the map, but um, in that world. But before I get too far into this, I did want to talk about some fun facts about sex. Let's talk about sex, baby. Let's talk about you and me, salt and pepper. But I will not play salt and pepper because... I do have a fun cover of I Want Your Sex that was gonna, I'm going to play in the background. Um, and this guy's fantastic. He looks like uh, like Isaac Hayes and uh, almost identical, actually, come to think of it. And the uh, the song, uh, this cover you'll find, is kind of a cross between Bobby McFerrin with the uh, uh, individual voices and Prince. This is my inter... That's what I think at least. Let's see what happens here. This guy named Eric Mwang. Look at listen to this. Here we go. Well, there you go. So let's talk about some fun facts, really quick ones that I found uh, while searching on the internet for this. Um, first of all, this is great. If you want to, according to a study, if you want to increase your chance of having an orgasm, keep your socks on during sex. No one's exactly sure why this works, but it's pretty obvious because like, in order to have orgasm, you need to be completely relaxed and anxiety-free. And Who the hell likes cold feet? Nobody. But that's not exactly the sexiest thing if you wear your socks on, so that's a bit of a conundrum. Next up, we have the fact that uh, vibrators were actually developed in 1869 as a treatment for quote-unquote hysteria, uh, or what they call female disorders, which is just... Just sometimes essentially just being upset like any other normal human being. So they created this steam-powered, by the way, massager, steam-powered, for God's sakes, uh, to kind of give a little massage there and um, with the goal of inducing, quote, hysterical paroxysm. Look at that. But here's the best uh, one I found here. I love this. This is great. Almost a third of all women over 80 years old of age still have sex with their partners. Look at that. Love can blossom and even continue to grow, and also good sex. Enough of this. Uh, let's do a little more here about Eric Wong on the cover. That's fantastic. No views on this video. It's a travesty. So here, um, Mrs. Jessica Toscano, again, fantastic interview. In addition to the things that I had mentioned earlier, he's been a writer for Cosmo, Men's Health, Self, Shape, Health. You see a theme here. Um, but a amazing time. I really did appreciate this uh, this time with Jessica. We got into a lot of things. We actually got into like concepts of or discussions about Puritan values and sex and cultural uh, distortions sometimes of sexual mores. And um, boy, that sounded heady. Kind of was. But we had a blast. I truly enjoy this conversation, and I honestly hope that you enjoy it as much as I did making it because she's great. Take care.
Bye. Well, 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 once again, inspired minds, dazzled throng. Look who we have on this lovely show, the fabulous, wonderful, and talented Ms. Jessica Toscano. Please say hello, Jessica, to the Inspired Minds audience. Hi, Inspired Minds audience. Well done. <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was good. Um, again, thank you uh, so much. Again, I say because we were talking earlier, but thank you so much for doing this. What a hoot. Can't wait for this one. But... I start off every interview the exact same way. I've been doing this for a little bit and same question every time, which is when you were young, Jessica, what was the first thing that you can recall that truly inspired you? What lit you up? Was it a song? Was it a book? Was it a person? Something. Ooh, I love this question. And actually, I don't think anybody has ever asked me that. It's my favorite. So the first thing that I can think of I am a very creative person. So anything that had to do with any sort of creativity, any kind of drawing or painting or anything like that really lit me up back in the day. Yeah, for sure. So um, my mom actually has a photo of me, three-year-old me, standing next to an Etch-A-Sketch drawing of a profile. Really? yeah, it's it's actually really, really awesome. And she, I think, was going to submit it at the time to some sort of show or something and somehow never got around to it. But yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> oh, that's like, what kind of a profile was it? Was it like kind of good at three? Actually, it, it was pretty fantastic. Yeah, you can definitely make it out. <laughs> so you have the so, photo. Oh, you said you have the photo of this, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. yeah. So it's a profile, I guess. Um I was going for a man's face. At least that's how I interpreted it growing up. But yeah, it's pretty, I think, cool thinking about it as an adult versus, you know, as a child. Well, and when you think about it, too, it's already got a frame. It's like ready for a museum piece. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Except, you know, the Etch-A-Sketches aren't the most reliable. So I'm pretty sure, you know, you just plop that down and erase (laughs) the face. That's right. And they don't really appreciate too much in value. Um, so, okay, then here's a, here's part B of that question, which I think you kind of answered, and that is, how did that get you to where you are now? Is there a through line? Actually, yes. It's, it's kind of a really funny story, but um, the short version of it is, grew up wanting to be a fashion designer because I loved sketching, used to, you know, design clothes. And I was in the middle of working on my portfolio for FIT, the Fashion Institute of Technology. Yeah. I was 16. And I don't know, I was just like, not really feeling it all of a sudden. And it was kind of weird because that was my dream role since I think the age of eight. Hmm. And one day I I was working at a salon at the time and I was having a conversation with a coworker and I just said, you know, I would kill to write for Cosmo and light bulb. That was it. Never Uh. looked back, went home, started researching journalism schools. And now I'm a reporter. There you go. See, this is exactly why this is why I love this question so much, because it, it oftentimes, if not all the time, gets to that. Gets, it's kind of like a North Star. You know what I mean? Like it's going to guide you along to wherever you're going last, because it makes sense. The, the first thing that when you were a kid, you're like, <gasps> like for me, it was song, like a particular song, Boston, more than a feeling of all weird things. But it's that moment in time that kind of lights you up. So there you go. Yeah, yeah. I never really thought of it that way, but. Absolutely. I love that. That's why I'm a therapist. So anyway, <laughs> you can owe me 150 bucks after this interview is over. Trust me. 
<laughs> okay. No, but I, I, I really know I do enjoy that. So there's so much there I want to go into, but I guess a couple of things. First of all, tell me about, well, I want to, I do want to go backwards. So before, uh, ladies and gentlemen of the Inspired Minds audience who dazzled wrong, uh, Jessica and I were talking a second ago before we were recording about writing for music, for being a rock journalist of some sort. Tell me about that, Jessica. I love to hear this kind of stuff. Oh, yes, yes. That was <laughs> the start of my journalism career. So it was completely unexpected. I was, oh, I think this was my the summer before my second year in grad school. So I was roughly 21, 22. And I had just started interning at a digital publication as a beauty writer. And I had just had my first article published and I went to a bar to celebrate with, you know, um, a guy I was seeing at the time. And as we're outside just hanging out, we run into a band and, you know, it, it wasn't like, you know, a super well-known band. Uh, there's a club across the street that they house bands all the time from, you know, uh, people who are, are trying to get signed to people that have been signed for, you know, a decade plus. And a lot of bands are actually founded there, which is really, really awesome. A lot of bands end up getting signed because they play at this venue. Mm. Anyway, so somehow, you know, we end up talking to them. We go inside the bar, have a couple drinks. And next thing you know, I'm like, hey, I should totally interview you guys for my, I, it was then a blog, but now a digital publication intrigue. And next thing you know, I end up at a concert of theirs. They invited me out for, uh, I think, an, an upcoming show, maybe a couple of weeks later. And another band that I had listened to growing up was playing there. And I was like, oh, well, you know, I just interviewed them. Let me see if I can interview this band. And so I'm chasing them down. And I think I, I waited around for, I don't know, maybe an hour and a half after the show just to try to get an interview with the lead singer. And, you know, he was really, really sweet. Let me interview him. Invited me back a second time for another interview. Like, it was great. And it just kind of like, you know continued after that who were the bands um so the first band and they're gonna love this is uh one day waiting and you know i still talk to them till this uh -huh. day i was actually in one of their um music videos which is pretty cool nice and whenever they're in the area they they invite me out and the second band i interviewed from there was saving able yeah. and i hung out with them quite a few times they were really really awesome people very down to earth a lot of fun um super supportive of my journalism career which was fantastic amazing amazing and i'm going to imagine that you were doing this stuff for free in the beginning right oh absolutely of absolutely of course and the reason i bring this up is only because clearly this was a, is a giant passion for you and it's amazing how sometimes people sacrifice every last dime just to get to get to that level of passion that we want oh i eat sleep breathe editorial and <laughs> anybody in my life will tell you that <laughs> <laughs> so then, so kind of give me your evolution into your intrigue mag.com, which the jewel in your crown, perhaps maybe it is, maybe it isn't. We'll find out. But where, how'd you get there? Yeah. So intrigue is my baby. Uh, and that's actually a really funny story as well, because I, when I first started it, I had no intentions of it becoming what it has become. And um, it, it, it's, phenomenal to see the lengths that I've gone through just to get it to where it is today. And it, it's still growing, which is fantastic. But my aunt at the time, so um, when I was 19 and I, I first started to get into journalism, she said to me, you know, you have to have a blog. Like if, if you want these top tier publications to notice you and you want to 
potentially get a job in this field, you need to have a blog. You need to showcase your writing. Sure. To be honest with you, I didn't even know what journalism consisted of back then. (laughs) I didn't know what a blog really entailed. I didn't know how to be a reporter. I just kind of went with it. So I was like, all right, she tells me I need to have a blog. I'm going to have a blog. So I wanted to do like a spin off of Cosmo and AskMen.com. I'm like, you know, I don't really see anything that offers insight into the male and female psyche. Let me roll with this. So I went around campus and I would interview like 50 guys, 50 girls and pretty like embarrassing questions. (laughs) (laughs) And these people, they were amazing and they would answer me. And I'm talking like questions like, would you rather see your girlfriend wear lingerie or completely like butt naked on Valentine's Day? And I was getting like genuine responses and people were just really awesome about it. And, you know, it just kind of picked up from there. And I just kept revamping it and revamping it the more that I learned in my industry. And now I try to keep it as transparent and genuine as humanly possible when it comes to editorial standards. Explain that a little more. Yeah. So as a reporter, um, what we follow a set of guidelines, if you will. So you want to, you know, remain unbiased. You don't really want to have an opinion here. So you want to put in both sides of the argument, if you will, whenever you get the opportunity to. You also want to be transparent with your audience. So if you are, you know, earning money potentially from an article or, you know, you were maybe given certain products for free, like these are some things that you want to tell your audience in advance so that they're not, you know, misled in any way, shape or form. Um, And another thing that you also want to do is you want to kind of give them some insight as to where you're getting your information from. So anytime that you can throw in hyperlinks, you know, to studies that you're referring to, or you can offer, you know, some sort of idea as to how you, for an an award um, piece, for example, how did you come across these top, I don't know, hair products? You know, did you test hundreds of them? Did you ask experts for their opinions? You you want to offer some sort of insight, some sort of transparency. That way your readers know that they're getting the most accurate information possible. Correct. And with that in mind, I should actually disclose with the exact same uh, ethical bound, uh, the ethical boundaries, I guess, really, that I need to adhere to. My entire show is sponsored by Chevron. So I'm going to talk about big oil. No, I'm fucking with you. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I took it too far, but that's no. So, I love it. <laughs> that's so fascinating to me, you know. And one thing I really did kind of want to start talking about too is, um, you know, I was going through your site obviously, and it was so interesting because you know you've got uh, the headers uh, on the main site, and one of them just says self care, and mm-hmm. so that's something that has been kind of bubbling in my brain finally <laughs> over the last couple of years. Like, oh right, I need to take care of myself first, then I can take care of people because I cannot transmit what I haven't got, right? Oh, absolutely. Bingo. So. It's so interesting to see that self-care because it's such a nebulous term for so many people because it kind of is, right? My idea of self-care, quite frankly, is going to see a movie. That's what I do. Or it's listening to the Beach Boys, Pet Sounds, or whatever it is, right? So I love the idea, though, of just self-care in general. So can you kind of talk a bit more about what that actually is, not only for you, but for your readers and in general? Yes, absolutely. So self-care, like you said, it it's different for everybody. So if self-care to you means, you know, taking a bubble bath at the end of the day, that's awesome. If self-care is, you know, taking a mental health day and separating yourself from, you know, other people, turning your phone off, um, even going to see a therapist, then 
that's awesome too. You know, whatever works for you. That's what self-care really is. Self-care in terms of intrigue, we like to focus on self-care from a, how do I put this? I I don't want to use the word beauty, um, but it's, it's like a synonym for beauty. We use it in place of beauty just because we're taking it from a unisex approach. So we want, you know, um, however you identify male, female, non-binary to be able to delve into the section and look for the best hair products for you, the best skincare products for you, you know, um, the most relaxing, you know, techniques that you can come across or the best tools that you can use. Mm -hmm. That's what you're really going to get from our self-care section. And, and just so, um, our reader or just so our listeners know, um, anybody who hasn't been on the website, we also have a health section. So if you are looking for health related information, you know, we just put up a post last week, nine podcasts to ease your anxiety. If you're suffering from anxiety, things of that nature, not this you can one. find all of that information. <laughs> no, not this one, apparently, but <laughs> you can find all that sort of information on there as well. If that's how you interpret self-care. Fantastic. And I love the fact that you are almost the Olympiad who's taking the fire to Mount Olympus at the, at the end of the Olympic. <laughs> <Olympics. laughs> oh my gosh. I've never had that comparison. No one ever has. <laughs> so, and this is what makes you unique, Jeff. I love it. Off the top of my head. That's all I got. Um, but, you know, but I kind of mean that metaphor, to be honest with you, because God, thank God for being the standard bearer for not only self-care, but sex positive information. And what I wanted to ask you specifically about that was because it struck me. You were saying that you were asking those questions about your girlfriend naked or lingerie. What year was that? Were we talking about? I was curious. Oh, wow. Uh, I graduated undergrad in 2016. I'm dating myself. I'm sorry, but <laughs> I would say that was probably like 2014. Yeah. Okay. So here's the next question. Ago. Mm-hmm. If you ask those questions today with the same demographic, what do you think the responses would, would they be more uh, open about it or less? Because I have a theory about Puritanism in America. So to be quite honest with you, I'm not sure that I would ask questions like that necessarily today. I think that if I were to ask similar questions, I would definitely word them differently. Again, just because, you know, the the industry has changed so much over the last few years. My mentality has definitely grown and matured. Um, Intrigue has transformed so much. And, you know, we really have a good feel for our target audience and, you know, our demographics. So I, I would really cater our questions to what is going on today and how people would best respond. Makes complete sense because you know your demo. That's right. Like that's marketing 101. You got to figure out your demo first. Um, By the way, that was a marketing executive that just kind of popped out of nowhere (laughs) from about 10 years ago. Um, Sorry. (laughs) just No. (laughs) You can take the boy out of the music industry, but you can't take the music industry out of the boy, like they always say. but, you know, I guess what I'm ultimately asking really is, because it's just fascinating to me, because it just honestly popped in my head, that being so sex positive in this uh, society, I, I kind of get a feeling, and clearly this is not based on evidence, but it's just based on a gut feeling, that we are becoming more and more Puritan in our values overall. And I don't necessarily know, I mean, you, you would know better, which is why I'm asking, is sex seen more positively or negatively, which is a strange way to say it, but it makes sense. So that just makes sense. 
I think that the way the industry is going is we're really trying to create a sex positive atmosphere, you know, and and in my opinion, speaking personally, sex is something that is normal and natural. And I don't think it's anything to be embarrassed of or, you know, um, to try to hide or, you know, feel shame about. I think as long as sex is consensual and you're able to communicate with your partner, there is absolutely nothing wrong with talking about it, engaging in it and being open. Right. But are people talking about it less or more? It's really my question. I don't know if I could say people are talking about it less or more. I think sex is always a topic of interest. I think it always has been. Oh, you're right. <laughs> that was kind of <laughs> I mean, you're, you're, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like it's this new thing that they invented like four years ago. <laughs> you know what I do find incredibly unique, though, is when majority of the people that I come across find out that I'm, you know, a sexual wellness journalist, most of their responses are, oh, wow, that's interesting. You don't get that too often. And I'm over here like, what do you mean? Uh, I I feel like this isn't something that's super uncommon, you know? And they're like, well, those are things that people don't talk about. Well, no, I I don't feel that way because you, you turn on a movie and what are the odds that you're going to watch a movie, you know, other than something, you know, like on the Disney channel that doesn't involve sex? True. You know, or what are the odds that you're going to open up a publication, even Rolling Stone? You know, you, Christina Aguilera, this was back in the day during her dirty years, yep. naked on the cover with a guitar. They found some way to put sex on the cover of a music magazine. True. True. So, yeah, it's it's everywhere. It really is. I think now, though, the difference is it is turning into a more sex positive atmosphere, in my opinion, based off of what I've seen. That's great. I, you know, I'm, I'm, there's half the country that I think is really believes in that. The other half, I'm not sure about these days. <laughs> I guess ultimately that's kind of, I don't know. I'm just waxing philosophical on sex, which is, I'm not the first person to do that, obviously. Mm. But, um, so I kind of want to get to this because I was actually talking to, uh, I was talking to one of my clients in the, in the therapy world and we were talking about, um, we were talking about sexual intimacy, you know, that there, there was an issue sometimes with sexual intimacy and all that. But then it was interesting. She, uh, the, this person told me that, that, she, that uh, she and her boyfriend would, that they're praying together at night. Okay. And they're, okay. What they've never done before. They're praying together on the bed, same prayer. And she's like, I love this. And all of a sudden it hit me that like sexual intimacy is obviously fantastic and clearly important. But I, there's that term that I kind of popped in my head of spiritual intimacy as well. And, I, and, and perhaps that when you do have a great sexual relationship, that can be in and of itself spiritual. Absolutely. 100% yes. Pull on that thread. Continue. That's your, that was your, that was your, oh, no, no. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you. And I, I actually think that's an important point to bring up because I think that people focus so much on the physical aspect of sex, they're not really taking into consideration that it's more than just a physical act. It's also emotional and it's mental and it's spiritual. And I think that for a lot of people, you know, um, you can't get physical without having one or two or all of those things intertwined, you know? Um, Like I know for me, I'm a sapiosexual. So I am turned on by intelligence. If you can't carry a conversation with me, if we can't have some sort of a connection um, on an emotional level, a communicative level, 
that that's it. Like it's not going anywhere. Like, sorry, man. <laughs> what was that word you used though? Um sexual, what? Sapiosexual. <laughs> Sapiosexual. What is that exactly? That's, uh that's a turn on for intelligence. Oh, well, then I should be getting laid a lot more than I am. Anyway, <laughs> boom. Sorry about that. Sorry, ladies and gentlemen. Inspired my audience podcast. I'm, I'm not anyway. Um, but that's you know that's so important what you're talking about is just in terms of that connection, right? Because you also know this: the second you're touching somebody, especially when it's a loving relationship, you got that oxytocin is flying back and forth in your brain, right? Oh yeah, and it's not even just oxytocin. We're also talking about serotonin yeah. and you know um, all of and dopamine, all of the happy chemicals. It is a concoction of happy chemicals. Concoction of happy chemicals. I'm gonna steal that. And you're gonna get it no credit. Just FYI. Okay. Yeah, sure. Go for it. Except, you know, you recorded me. So obviously there's some sort of proof I said it. (laughs) Shit. Um, But that's such a wonderful thing to think about, you know, because this also kind of ties back. The whole reason I started this fucking podcast to begin with was out of the pandemic, as I say, of disconnection that we've been experiencing for a long time, but especially in the COVID years. And it's, and you know, that, that disconnection, that physical space, for God's sakes, we had to stay away from for, for so long you know, isolates us and it keeps us from engaging with people. And the difficulty is, I've noticed, is that people are coming out of or have come out of the isolation of COVID, whatever that means. And they're used to being more alone because it's a pattern. It's a behavioral pattern. Not a lot of people ran out, you know, when COVID was quote unquote over, they didn't run out like, you know, kids out of school. Yay, we're done. It was that feeling of disconnection, I think, that really came about. So the <laughs> my rambling way of asking the question, but the that disconnection that we had, we gotta, you know, we really need to ramp up that physical connection that that kind of used to be there because if not, we're all doomed. Boom. No, I actually love that you brought this up. So what I did notice from the beginning of the pandemic to even now. So on Intrigue, we have two incredibly amazing but also popular articles. One is where to buy sex toys for cheap online. The other is these are the best lubes to masturbate or for masturbation. And those articles receive thousands and thousands and thousands of views every month. And obviously, like you said, people are, you know, they've gotten used to being alone. So that's just proof right there. Like, you know, um, but what I will say is I think the pandemic did offer an excuse for us to get creative with our sexuality. So um, a lot of people, myself included, you know, you engage in other forms of intimacy, like phone sex, like super old school. I don't think a lot of Gen Zers are familiar with it based off of what I'm understanding now, you know, talking on the phone. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not getting on the phone. Like, wait, what does phone sex entail? I've had people ask me that. Like it's, yeah, it's not that serious, (laughs) but it's, it's a lot of fun, you know? Um, Or even if you want to go on, you know, webcam, obviously, be smart about it as a professional. That is what I'm recommending. No tattoos. Don't show your face. But, nope. you know, these are healthy ways that you can engage and, you know, abstain. Or if you're, you know, super curious to get back out there, but you don't want to, you know, go on a dating app and meet somebody and have sex with them, you know, for the first time or, you know, after a couple of meetups, then start off with sexting, start off with phone sex, start off with, you know, like little things like that. So you can get, you know, your feet wet or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's an adaptive thing that you kind of kind of roll into again. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's like learning how to walk, basically. You just kind of have to start off slow, but you'll find that 
you know, it, it's natural and you're going to fall right back into it. You know, I just had a thought. I bet you that the birth rate dropped significantly during the pandemic years. Actually, um, I, I can't recall, but I don't believe it did, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, everyone was, everyone's at home fucking. Sorry. There, there wasn't a boom, though. If I don't believe there was a boom because I know that that was... Huh predicted at the beginning of the pandemic everybody figured oh okay you know everybody's going to be home all they're going to be doing is making babies but that's actually not what ended up happening but i don't think uh there was a decrease either maybe they balance each other out you know the the idea of like having sex all the time because we're together or not wanting to have sex because we're together because we're together yeah uh i think that was a big thing for couples there were a lot of articles at the beginning of the pandemic on you know how to deal with a breakup right now because obviously like when you're not able to go out and you're not able to see people, you are left to, you know, very few options to, to move on to, you know, comfortably and healthily, I guess healthily. I don't even think that's a word right now. <laughs> Express yourself, you know, be able to like get over it, move on, you know, back in the day, like I would have my girlfriends over, we would have ice cream, we would play video games or we would go to a club or something like that. And during the pandemic, you're not able to do that. So you had to find another way to cope. No, you know, and and you're right. But so like, you know, when couples, it's funny you bring up the couple thing because I've been dealing with couples who've had like, you can, you can totally tell they've had like difficulties during the pandemic because they were together all the time. They just weren't used to it. Right. Like yeah. one of them had a full-time job or they both had full-time jobs. And all of a sudden they're like two caged tigers, like just rolling, watching each other, like circling each other, you know? Well, a lot of these people too, um, they were stuck in, you know, a studio apartment in the middle of Manhattan, for example, you can't really do much in a studio apartment. I mean, you can get kind of creative, but to a degree. So you're still essentially in the same room together. If you're both working remotely, you know, you have to figure out a way to attend Zoom meetings and, you know, answer phone calls without interrupting your partner. And over time, yeah, that that's going to get irritating naturally. And it's like that if you're with anybody for too long. Yeah. It's it's like a caged animal at that point. You're going to snap. Eventually, that ferret's going to snap. Yeah, well, think about it. You're not going to feel hot and heavy toward that person at the end of the day after you spent all day, you know, listening to their Zoom meetings, trying to navigate their personal space. You know, um, if you're both like in sweatpants and, you know, you're irritated and, you know, these are all things that aren't going to make you feel very sexy or very happy at the end of the day. Correct. That's correct. So, you know, I got to ask you this. So as a sapiosexual, does that, do those kinds of things mean that it is the primary attraction and there are others, or is it just kind of like a blend of a bunch of stuff? The term sapiosexual? Yeah. I mean, obviously you mean, you know, being turned on by intellectualism and a big brain and whatever that is. Yeah. So that's, that's mainly what that entails. Um, yeah. So that's not to say that I'm not physically attracted to somebody or I can't be physically attracted. Obviously all of that good stuff comes into play, you know, but for me, it it definitely starts off with the mind. You know, uh, I think focusing on somebody's physicalities is a little shallow. And I think you're also missing out on the beautiful soul that they have, if that's all that you can see. So I would love to be able to, you know, meet somebody where I, I can put both of those together. Like, Hey, wow, I think you're gorgeous and also damn you can hold a conversation look at you (laughs) (laughs) kind of rare these days so okay i'm gonna i'm gonna keep hammering on this (laughs) i'm so so interested in this okay so how about okay so if sapiosexual is somebody who is attracted by let's say the brain how about is is there a 
Is there a corollary for a soul, for wisdom, for grace? Probably. Uh, there are so many terms. I'm going to be completely honest with you. I, I can't keep up. I do not know all of them by heart. Um, I would love to be able to have that sort of, you know, knowledge one of these days, like an encyclopedia, just have all of that in there for when I need to pull it out. But, um, yeah, there, there are so many titles that are coming out. So many, um, labels that I I just, I can't. (laughs) I understand completely. Don't forget I'm a therapist. So I got to remember like a thousand different disorders as they keep creating every day. Same thing. Yeah. And, you know, I I love being able to learn about all of that. You know, I'm super open when somebody talks to me about their sexuality or, you know, what they're experiencing. And uh, it's just, it's fun. I'm not going to lie. It's a lot of fun, but I cannot possibly contain all of that information in my brain. I just can't. (laughs) I I, I completely, I mean, I'm the same way, to be honest. That's why I think Helen Mirren is ridiculously hot. I mean, she's hot anyway, but you know, we're like Emily Harris and these women who are like age and wisdom and beauty and like totally hot, at least to me. Wait, 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 wait. We're backing this up. Who is hot? I need to look this person up right now. Helen Mirren, the actress? Helen Mirren. Why do I not know who that is? You, you must look it up immediately. You will know exactly who she is when you see a picture of her. She's been, she's been acting like since the 70s. And she's probably in her 70s now. And holy shit. <laughs> oh, yeah. Wow. She's gorgeous. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's got a giant brain, too. Oh, so you're a sapiosexual now? Did uh, I, I did I get you on that? <laughs> I just didn't know it was a word, but yeah, I have it all my life. Hello. <laughs> it must but, be a Sagittarius thing. <laughs> for, now, for listeners who don't know, we were talking earlier and we realized that we're both Sagittarians. Our birthdays are like two weeks apart, not even. There you go. There. Hey, you know, but if I'm not mistaken, I really think about this. And by the way, this is the portion, especially of the show that is meandering. So brace yourself. Okay. But, so I explained, <laughs> explained before, it's apparently it's working to somebody who was meandering. And I think it's true based on this next question that, which I've completely forgotten. Speaking of meandering, my God, where's I going to go with this? Ladies and gentlemen, this is exactly how I work. <laughs> <laughs> but no, you know, the thing that I actually really do want to talk about is so running your own business and yes. running your own section, give me the pros and cons of it. Like, what do you love about it? What do you despise about it? Or do you despise about it? Anyway. So honestly, that's actually so crazy. Uh, I don't despise anything. Nice. You think that I probably would, but I'm so unbelievably in love with what I do. And my job, just intrigue and editorial in general, I... See, I'm at a loss for words because I can't possibly put into words just how much of a passion it is. So I can absolutely. So <laughs> that's good. That's good. You know, if you go to a tattoo artist, for example, you're going to want to make sure that they're passionate as shit about what they're doing. You're oh. not going to want to get tattooed by somebody who's hating their life being there. So, you know, same thing for for journalism. I I don't really think I know anybody who enters the field for money. You know, people <laughs> don't don't say, oh, I want to be a reporter and work really long hours and you know so on and so forth for the money. They they do it for you know the passion. So yeah. Yeah. yeah, there there really is nothing that I I dislike. What I I will say is there is a lot that I did not know. You know, um, when establishing my own business, and I'm still learning every single day. There is so, so much involved and I'm trying to keep up as quickly as I possibly can. I actually, 
I run Intrigue and I have a full-time job and I freelance still for a series of publications. So I'm, I'm constantly going. You are. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You're like the energizer bunny <laughs> of the uh, journalism world. Impressive. Impressive. <laughs> or maybe you like the Usain Bolt, the, uh, the, the runner who's like, you know, the fastest guy in the world. Well, yeah, well this is where self-care comes into play. You know, you want to make sure that you're taking care of yourself. You're taking care of your mind. You're taking care of your body. You sure. are doing things that make you feel good so that you recuperate and you don't burn out. Yeah. Cause that burnout's real. And honestly, I see, a, I think burnout's getting worse in this country. Um, I mean, it's true, right? Like even my field, it's impo- It's really hard to find a, or it's actually really easy to hire a therapist because the mental health, you know, is going, going way down. I mean, just dramatically. So everybody knows that. And, you know, to be able to latch onto that is super important. But the one thing I did want to bring up was also, you just mentioned about this blog thing or the blog thing, your, your giant ingredient. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> your, little, your little zine that you have, your, your pamphlet that you've oh just. Oh my goodness. <laughs> you know, what's, what's interesting is, you know, you bring up that passion. Right. Yes. Passion. And that's why you wrote free articles for the bands, the passion. That's why you took crappy jobs, I'm sure, on your way up, the passion. And to be honest with you, there's a lot of people that I speak to this or speak about this. And I think you may relate to this is that when you're doing that kind of work, that kind of artistry work, you have mm-hmm. to get it out. It's like being almost possessed sometimes, at least this is the way I see it. Like if I got a song in my head, I got I got to finish it. I got to get it out. I don't know if that rings true for you necessarily, but it sounds like that kind of passion that you were describing earlier. No, 100%. That's exactly the way that I, I would word it. Yeah. It, if It's like this ball of creativity that I constantly have. And, you know, I, I feel the need to focus on it. Otherwise, what's going to happen? You know, it's just kind of like flowing around in there. And then I, I feel like I'm, I'm wasting it. So any way that I, I can put that to good use, you know, that's what I do. And, and for Intrigue specifically, you know, I, I wanted to start a publication that would ring true to other people. I wanted, you know, readers to be able to relate to a publication like I had growing up. And I, I was a bit of a loner and I was always looking for ways to become the best version of myself, you know, and I, and I still do that to this day. You know, I look for information for, you know, and I, and honestly, um, not to sidetrack too much, but I think we all do that. We're all looking for ways to become the best versions of ourselves, whether it's looking for the best hair products for our hair or skin products, you know, maybe you have acne or maybe, you know, you have dark spots. We're looking to combat that. So that's what intrigue is. You know, it, it focuses on the fact that you're unique and, you know, you're independent and you're going out of your way to find ways to make yourself the best version of you that you can be. Thousand percent, and actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna drop two uh, truth bombs on you. You ready? Go for it. We're talking big bombs here. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna truth the shit out of this thing. <clears throat> first of all, I'm excited. <laughs> first of all, what you're describing is what I like to call myself and many others an eternal student, right? Yeah, an eternal student, always searching for something, and you know, I gotta I can always be better, and because being an eternal student requires humility. Clearly. Oh yes, yes. Right? Like, I don't, like, when I was a kid, I knew, I knew everything, right? And then <laughs> the, older I, the older I get, the more I know that the more I don't know kind of thing. Um, but here's the real truth, Bob. Strap yourself in. Just make sure that, you know, everything's good because it's going to blow your mind. 
there's this quote that I absolutely love, and it's the North Star for me for the rest of my life, I hope. And it's from uh, Rabbi Abraham Herschel is his name. I'm going to read it. I have it written down here. Our goal should be to live life in radical amazement. Get up in the morning and look at the world in a way that takes nothing for granted. Everything is phenomenal. Everything is incredible. Never treat life casually. And here's the kicker. To be spiritual is to be amazed. That's awesome. That's that's seriously like a really great quote to live by. And I think mainly because it has such a positive outlook and you can interpret it in so many positive ways. Correct. Yeah. I just like that idea of like getting up in the morning and, you know, living in that constant state of like almost childlike, like the sun's pretty awesome, isn't it? I haven't looked at the sun in a long time. Well, you don't really look at the sun, you're blind, but the moon's really great. You know, it's just that, that idea of just that absolute wonder that I think, quite frankly, is the wellspring of creativity. Yeah. Wake up and blow, you know, blow your own damn mind. That's what I say all the time. Like, honestly, you need to be there for you. You need to root for you. You need to be, you know, your biggest supporter, your biggest ally. And literally, like you said, wake up every day and find little things to enjoy. Or even if you're having, honestly, a really bad day, find a way to make it better. You know, um, be thankful for what you do have and, you know, Anything that you can do, any little thing that you can do to make your day a thousand times better, like do it. Well, then here's the therapy question. Not that these haven't been. (laughs) Here's a $150 session question. Um, Where do you think you learn that wisdom? You want to know what? Um, I'm actually going to share something that I didn't think that I would. So uh, (laughs) I I had a really rough... um, childhood, I was actually bullied pretty bad. Mm. And I had to basically figure out ways to make it through my day so that, you know, I could be where I am today. So that's, that's exactly what I did. I found ways to appreciate my life and appreciate who I am for me. How wonderful. I too have been through uh, quite some trauma myself and I have also gained a shitload of wisdom. Now, as I tell, as I often tell God, I'm good with the lessons now. Stop. There's a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff going on right now. I don't like, <laughs> but like, stop with the lessons, please, please, please. But you're right. And, uh, and obviously what you went through was trauma. What I went through was uh, trauma as well. And I've told people this too, that when you face trauma, it's just my experience, but when you face trauma, you have one of two choices, either you adapt or you die. And I don't like saying survive or die, quite frankly, because to me, that just sounds like, okay, I I guess. Like, I didn't learn anything from this, but all right. But you have to adapt because the the world got blown out in your trauma. So you have to, like, adapt into it. And that can be very ungainly and and difficult. But the rewards are what you put into it. The other end of things is the dying. And that can look like suicide, addiction, or dying with just a broken, sad heart, right? Right. And it's the people that are able to have that post-traumatic growth as opposed to PTSD. That's where you get the wisdom from. And quite frankly, I know it because with, because I hear these words that you were saying and people who understand it, understand each other very quickly. We can size each other just like that, can't we? Mm-hmm. Because it's a trauma response. It's, are you safe or not? Are you safe or not? Are you safe or not? And it's just, I think it's wired into our brains. Those of us who are trauma adapters, let's say, and I can size people up. Does that sound kind of like your thing? 
Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think that if this is where you were going with this, I think I'm a very empathetic person because of the yes. experiences that I've had growing up. So I definitely can, you know, can see people in a way that I, I don't think a lot of other people can see people, you know, maybe people who are more fortunate and didn't, like you say, undergo trauma. You see things others don't because of what you've experienced. And yet you've also taken that information and become a better person as a result. And now you can translate what you do have, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and I think that goes for a lot of really amazing people. You know, like one of my inspirations, I know she's a huge inspiration to many, many people. Lady Gaga, for instance, you know, she went through a lot of childhood bullying as well. And, you know, one day she just said, I'm going to be fucking great. Excuse my language, but, and that's it. And, you know, and look at her, she is, and she also uplifts other people. And I think that's the kind of role model you want to have. You want to look at somebody who had a shitty childhood and, and made the best of it. And now she's helping so many other people. And like, I would love to be that, you know, that that's definitely what I aspire to. I can tell. And you're already on the path. If you're not, I mean, look, you and I both know it's not the destination it's the path anyway. So congratulations. Right. Yes. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> well, listen, I'm going to wrap this up here, uh, but I'm going to do a couple of things. First of all, um, I feel like I should, I feel like I should have like you sign a HIPAA thing for this therapy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, obviously you're a great therapist. You have me talking about my childhood trauma. I've, yeah, well, I've <laughs> for, for have, how many people that are going to be listening to this? I think people look at me sometimes and they think I'm an emotional scratching post and I kind of am. <laughs> it's kind of like, <laughs> so, but it's great. I love it. Look, Every time I have this kind of a deal, even with you, it's a cathedral for me, right? Because yeah. I get to be invited into someone's life. Like, I, some, I don't even know you. I just talked to you for 40 minutes. You know what I mean? <laughs> but now I know who you are. I know what you are. I know the great person that you are. Sure, of course, you're flawed. We all are. But you've got your heart in the right place. So God bless you. Now, here's how I end the show. You ready? Okay. Go. Yeah, first, of all, first of all, Buck 50, coming to Venmo. You're away. You got to send us some. Second of all, second of all, um, this is how I end the show. You're going to, I'm going to pretend to say goodbye. You're going to pretend to say goodbye. And then I'm going to pretend to hang up and we'll do a quick post chat deal. Yeah, that sounds good. All right, here we go. And scene. Um, no, Jessica, thank you so, 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 so much for doing this show. It is meandering, isn't it? I was right. Well, Jeff, I will say this. I did not expect to unload some of my traumatic memories onto this audience, but in the hopes that it helps somebody out there, you know, you can I'm, be something big, even if you don't feel like it right now. <laughs> that is exact. And actually, you are something big, even if you don't feel it right now. Well, Jeff, thank you. I appreciate that. Amen, sister. Okay, I'm going <laughs> to pretend to hang out. Church will now be over. Therapy will now be over. Should have you sign a release form and hang tight. One, two, and we're going to end. <laughs>